Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Welcome to the clinic here at the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. You're listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and we always are appreciative of all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Dr. Sandoval, and I'm your host here at the clinic. Um, today, we're going to talk about a few different uh, things. Well, really one topic, but... Um, Really, the, the question is to treat or not to treat. That's going to be our topic for the day, and you're going to see what I mean by that when we get into our, our topics. Do we treat people? Do we not treat people? And how do we treat people um, in terms of illnesses? Um, but really, the question is not just illnesses of, of the body, illnesses of the mind, but spiritual illnesses as well, because we have to have this um, uh, approach to each other that's consistent with our Catholic faith. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as our show gets started. But let's start off with a prayer. As always here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, I like to start off with a Hail Mary and ask Our Lady's help and guidance as we go through our shows. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, listeners. Well, you know, before we even get started in our show, I want to remind all of our listeners uh, who are tuning in that we do have our Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up on Saturday, January 16th. You're going to be listening to High Intel Catholic Information on Spiritual Warfare from Jesse Romero. Let me tell you what I love about Jesse Romero. I mean, anybody who's been following along in, in terms of Catholic media and evangelization, um, everybody pretty much knows who Jesse Romero is. How could you not? You know, this man is not just uh, outspoken in the faith, but he carries it in his heart. And so anytime he's out there speaking about the faith, you know that it's coming from his heart, from a place where he has taken the time to study, to investigate, and to really get to know what he's talking about in terms of getting closer to Christ and getting it closer to heaven. You know, Jesse Romero, what a great guy, former police officer um, with the Sheriff's Department in Los Angeles. You're going to hear such great information coming from him, not just because of his own life experience, but because of all the faith and the hope and the love that he carries in his heart for our Lord. Along with him will be uh, Dr. Dan Schneider, who is a theologian and who is with the Liber Cristo movement. Um, he's very, very well versed, very Marian in his spirituality and very intellectual guy, really smart guy. I believe he's got his PhD in theology. Um, and so both of these guys are very exciting to listen to. Uh, great information when it comes to spiritual war. Warfare. So make sure you tune in January 16th for our live show. Um, for and, and you can turn in virtually for that. Um, today I want to talk a little bit about uh, a lot of concerns that have come up recently with this new vaccine for uh, for COVID. Um, and one of the questions that I get asked a lot is, Dr. Sandoval, do I get the vaccine? Do I not get the vaccine? What happens if I get it? What happens if I don't get it? lots of controversy surrounding the vaccines um, for a few different reasons. You know, uh, people can get uh, worried because on, on the one hand, we'll just start off with the, the concerns uh, of Catholics are, you know, was this vaccine really used for, uh, 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 or did it really have aborted cell lines in there? Is that how it was started? Um, do all these vaccines have that 
and potentially it does. I know that the bishops have uh, studied that as Rome normally does. And let me read to you a little bit about what the bishop said. And it said, in view of the gravity of the current pandemic and the lack of availability of alternative vaccines, the reason to accept the new COVID-19 vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna are sufficiently serious to justify their use, despite their remote connection to morally compromised cell lines. Um, Receiving one of the COVID-19 vaccines ought to be understood as an act of charity towards other members of our community. In this way, being vaccinated safely against COVID-19 should be considered an act of love of our neighbor and part of our moral responsibility for the common good. You know, a lot of people are torn. Some people say, Doc, I'm just not going to get this vaccine at all. Not if it has anything morally compromised with it. Not if any, you know, if this is happening right now. And other people are saying, well, Doc, I know that this um, uh, might have had that, you know, it was so remote. I don't know what to do with it, but I know that I want to stay safe and that this is something that's going to keep me safe. Um, I, I don't want to not get the vaccine, especially for not just for my safety, but, you know, I have elderly uh, parents at home. I have kids at home and I want to make sure that we're all that we're all safe and that I'm doing my part to keep everybody safe. I'm not here to argue the the right and the wrong of that because I think a lot more still has to come out from that. Um, but <clears throat> and we need to learn a little bit more about what's going on with the vaccines. Another thing that's important is we still, you know, some people say, Doc, I don't know what the side effects are of this vaccine. I hear on the news that people are passing away, people are dying. Um, you know, a few people have have had reactions to it, so I'm, I'm afraid to get it. These are all very, very valid, valid reasons to be concerned about getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. Do I trust our bishops? I have to trust that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and that the Holy Spirit is going to help us make decisions. Um, would I trust that hopefully if there's a way to make the vaccine without any moral compromise that we can get to that point? Um, that would be very, very important. <clears throat> but more importantly, the real question that came up and the question that bothered me, because a lot of these questions aren't, I'm not going to be able to answer. Uh, nobody's going to be able to answer other than, you know, as we get to uh, our own state and, and we evaluate our own situation um, in terms of, of do we get the vaccine or not. Uh, but the most important question that came up that was really a concern and made me really think was somebody said, you know, doc, if somebody chooses to not get the vaccine and they get sick and we know that there's a uh, limited resources out there, is it okay if we just don't treat them? Because I mean, they, they kind of brought this on themselves, didn't they? They, they chose not to get vaccinated and, and they're getting sick and, you know, well, it's their own fault. They should have gotten vaccinated. How, you know, why are we going to waste resources on them? Why are we going to treat them? And this is really what made me think. It made me think on multiple levels because on the one hand, okay, let's look at this situation in particular. If somebody had a, a, a objection, <clears throat> if somebody had some kind of concern, if somebody had some reason why they couldn't get the vaccine and they get sick, um, am I going to be judge and jury and say, you know, if you are sick, I'm not going to treat you um, because, you know, you didn't get the vaccine. Well, there's lots of different scenarios. Let's say that somebody has an allergic reaction to vaccines and they just can't get the vaccines to begin with. Am I going to not treat that person because they didn't get the vaccine? It would be a difficult position to find ourselves in, um, because believe it or not, right now we can ask ourselves about the vaccine in particular, but when we start asking questions like that, we have to really look at medicine as a totality, as a whole. And so it's very easy to take a one case scenario or a one disease scenario and say, 
if you don't follow these rules, you're not going to get treated. I think that there's a moral, uh, a moral problem with that, a moral fallacy, because as a physician, we are trained that no matter who comes to your door, uh, they're going to get treated. You know, they're going to, you're going to see what, what they need. You're going to see what's best for them and you're going to treat them and you're going to take care of them. Um, and you're going to try to bring them back to health. You know, right now the hot topic is, you know, the, the COVID virus and do we get vaccines or what kind of treatment is there? And are we going to have enough ventilators? Are we going to have enough resources to treat everybody? But let's take a step back because that, that's just the, the topic of the day. And in reality, let's say that, I'll just go fast forward in, in a year or two. Hopefully, uh, either the virus is not uh, such a burden on us. We've developed some kind of herd immunity. Uh, the vaccines are down to the level of flu vaccines where we recommend them and we hope that everybody gets them um, and there's no moral compromise with them. Let's say that we live in that type of situation. This is not the first time that I've been asked, do we treat somebody? Uh, you know, in this case, it's like I said, it's easy. It's at the forefront. We see it right now. It's on the news. It's everywhere. If somebody doesn't get this vaccine, boy, maybe we should uh, not treat if they, if they get sick. But let's take a step back and let's look at it this way. <clears throat> I've gotten this question about many different things before, not just when it comes to the vaccine. One of the questions is, what about drug addicts? You know, my family member comes in, my son, my daughter, my cousin, my spouse, um, I, I can make it a my thing, but when it's a they thing, it's easier to not treat. If it's my family, I say, gosh, I want them to get better. I don't want them to be sick. I want them to get treatment because they are not doing well, you know, and we can argue, well, if somebody doesn't get the vaccine, it's their own fault that they got sick. That's one way to look at it. But what about when it comes to drug addiction? You know, we take that step back and all of a sudden we realize that some people say, you know, we shouldn't treat drug addicts. They're going to treat themselves. They're going to die off. They're going to overdose. They're going to get sick in that way. You know, they're, they're, uh, uh, they chose to do drugs. They chose to mess up their system. Why should we even treat them if they come to your door, doc? Are you going to treat them? And they, they chose to do this stuff. It's very easy when it's a they thing. You know, I can say they chose to hurt themselves. They chose this or they chose that. But the reality is I don't treat they's. You know, when people come and, and they want treatment or they bring their family members for treatment, it's, this is my daughter, this is my husband, this is my spouse, this is my cousin, this is my friend. It doesn't really matter other than, you know, this, is, this person needs treatment and they're sick. A lot of people say, you know, they did this to themselves, that we're not gonna, we're not gonna treat them. And when we take a step back and we look at that from a, from a societal perspective, it's easy to understand. I understand that position. I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm saying I understand where somebody would come from and say, you know what, this person is just hurting themselves. They, they don't deserve treatment. They don't deserve to get better because this is what they are choosing. All right, let's take a step back. We can look at it from a different perspective. You know, we're going to extremes, right? Drug addiction, overdose. That's a pretty extreme case. Let's take it from a different perspective. Let's say that you have somebody who is an athlete, a professional athlete, and they choose to play a full contact sport. Let's say that they're a hockey player, a professional American football player, a soccer player, a basketball player, and they're out there on the court and they know that they're exposing themselves to getting hurt. Do I treat that person or not? Hmm. Things to think about. Uh, more when we come back from the break, um, as we're going into our break, I want you to think about for yourself, is there an illness that should never be treated? I don't know. We're going to have to answer that question later on in the show. More when we come back. 
All right, well, welcome back to the clinic here at the Dr. Sandoval Radio Show. You're listening to Dr. Sandoval here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you to all of our listeners who are joining in. Always great to give a quick plug to our Spiritual Warfare Conference. It's going to be happening January 16th. Uh, If you're not already signed up, I suggest you sign up because, boy, what great information we're going to get there. Always important to understand uh, what spiritual warfare really is and how it applies to our spiritual life and how to really be prepared and ready um, when we're in that battle, when we're in that arena. um, And we have to be the warriors that are going to fight for the truth, fight for Christ, and have Christ on our side. You're listening to Dr. uh, Dr. Sandoval Radio Show. Uh, As always, a reminder to our listeners and our viewers, feel free to send me an email to Dr. Sandoval. It's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, or thoughts, you can also send us emails to our Virgin Most Powerful uh, website, and sometimes those are uh, passed along to us if they pertain to mental health or uh, spiritual health that we can help out with. Um, So today we're talking about when is it okay to not treat somebody? When is it okay to not give medical uh, help to somebody, uh, whether it be physical, spiritual, um, or um, emotional, you know, men, or we got, we want to do mental health. We want to do physical health and we want to do spiritual help. Sorry. Got a little distracted there. One of the things that we, that, uh, I get asked a lot of times is, well, do we treat people who kind of seem to hurt themselves, you know, and by hurting themselves means that they do things that are going to cause poor health anyway, you know, and we can look at this at many levels right before the break. I was talking about, uh, you know, we talked about if people don't want to get a certain vaccine, do we treat them if they come down with the illness? from not getting the vaccine? Um, Do we treat people who say do drugs and they uh, naturally are going to hurt their bodies because they're looking for drugs as entertainment? But as we know, you know, that's going to hurt the body. But I was bringing up an example of do we treat somebody like an athlete um, who is naturally going to be exposed to physical harm, who's going to run the risk of broken bones, who's going to run the risk of sore muscles and tendons, and, you know, people say, you know, should we treat that? Well, they're doing this for technically our entertainment. They can say that they're doing it because it's their job and they enjoy that job. But they really are exposing themselves to a lot of physical um, ailments, which are going to, should we say, they're going to take up resources that may be for somebody else. Well, those resources are allocated for them and, and, you know, they have their doctors and they have their treatment. And some people argue, well, they, that shouldn't be the case because, you know, they're, they're taking up valuable resources for other people. Um, there's other conditions that we wonder if, if we should treat or not. You know, let's say that somebody's a, a, a drunk driver and they got into an accident and they got hurt, um, you know, and they were in the accident. Not only did they hurt other people in the midst of the accident, but they got hurt themselves. As they come to the emergency department, as they come to the trauma center, they're bleeding, they're hurting, they have broken bones, they have, uh, you know, a lot of ailments and illnesses and do we do the x-rays to find out where they're hurt? Do we uh, run the, the slew of exams to make sure that we give them the appropriate treatment? Is this a waste of resources? These are important questions to ask. Uh, when it comes to vaccines, let's say that, uh, let's not even talk about the current vaccine that's in question. Let's just talk about vaccines in general where, um, you know, some parents choose not to vaccinate their kids. And let's say the kid comes down with measles or they come down with chicken pox or they come down with something along those lines. Do I not treat that kid? Because I say, nope, you know what? You had a chance to uh, have the vaccine. Your parents chose not to. And now I'm not going to take up valuable resources on you. Well, you know, it's easy to see that from a societal point of view. And like I said, I understand uh, if people feel hurt or angry or if they have 
um, you know, reservations about that because they say, you know, what are we doing? Are we encouraging people to do drugs? Are we encouraging people to get hurt? Are we encouraging people to live a lifestyle where they don't take care of themselves? It's an important question to ask, but I don't, I don't think that we're necessarily doing that. As doctors, one of the things when we go into medicine, uh, one of the most important things is we take what's called the Hippocratic Oath, right? And a lot of people say, oh, it's the, the hypocrisy oath. But in reality, it's called the Hippocratic Oath. And why is it called the Hippocratic Oath? Well, the Hippocratic Oath um, is attributed, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Greeks, right? And so uh, it was really, it comes down to this. I wanted to read it for our listeners so you can understand as a physician um, where it is that our, our source or our responsibility for treatment comes from, Um you know, when it comes to what we call Hippocratic medicine, the Hippocratic Oath, what is it that we're really trying to do as physicians? Because ultimately, am I judge and jury on somebody who's ill and somebody who's sick? Am I there to decide, you know, because of the way that you got ill, I'm not going to treat you? I know that that was happening a lot in the 80s. There was a lot of questions on that when uh, we started to learn about HIV and AIDS. And a lot of people said, you know, this is a disease that comes from a poor lifestyle, from immorality, and anybody who gets it should be put on an island and left to die because we don't have any treatments or cures and, and we are judging the these people as being immoral. But then what about anybody who ended up with HIV from a blood transfusion? You know, it was no fault of their own. They had, um, you know, it happens with hepatitis, it happens with other things. Let's say that you end up with something from a blood transfusion um, because you needed blood products and all of a sudden you're sick, do I no longer treat you? It's the same illness, but if I decide, well, I'm gonna treat you, but I'm not gonna treat this other person, I'm becoming the moral judge and jury. Let's read a little bit about, I wanna read this Hippocratic Oath, it's a little bit lengthy, but um, but it's important to read and see where it comes from and what really was at the heart of treatment. So. It starts off now, granted, keep in mind, this is from the ancient Greeks, so they were swearing by the Greek gods, right? So we don't swear by the Greek gods, we swear by, by the Lord that we know, by God, by the Trinitarian God, by Jesus Christ. But this is where it comes from, and, and let me read it. I'm not going to avoid, I'm not going to read the, the gods' names here just to, for brevity, um, but it says, you know, I swear, and then they mention their gods, and it's the Greek gods, Apollos and, and Hygieia um, and whatnot. Um, and they say that their gods are their witnesses. Well, we say God is our witness as, as physicians, um, that according to my ability and judgment, so I swear that according to my ability and judgment, I will keep this oath and this contract. So it's an oath and contract. This is something I have to abide by as a physician. So it says, to hold him who taught me this art equally dear to me as my parents so let's start off with that. First of all, it's an art that needs to be taught. It needs to be passed on. And whoever pass this on to me, whoever helped teach me the art of medicine, the art of treatment, I'm going to hold them equally as dear as my parents. What does that mean? It means that what I was taught is going to be of equal value to that as a parent to a child. Parent to children, hopefully we're treating, giving our children the best advice possible in life. We're giving them pearls for life. And if I'm learning the art of medicine, Whoever taught me this art, I am trusting that they are they are giving me the same kind of parental advice where they don't want me to go wrong. So first of all, that's how important this art of medicine is. Is and keep in mind when we study medicine, we study psychology, you know, we study psychiatry, we study general medicine as well. 
And we also studied something we call doctoring. And doctoring is really where you are a doctor. This is where you become a real doctor. And it has nothing to do with the science or the textbooks. When you become a real doctor, you're treating the soul. Those are the real doctors. Those are the, when you look at the person and you realize, I know that you're here in my office and you're telling me that you're hurting for these reasons. But the reality is I see that it's because you're upset with your parents and that's really what's causing you to feel, um, you know, so aggravated. That's causing your GI problems. That's causing your headaches. Uh, that's causing you to feel depressed. It's because you don't have these uh, relationships right in your life in certain cases. When you're able to see that, that's part of medicine as well. We call it doctoring. Um, and so we do address the spiritual aspects. So keep that in mind. But let's get back to the oath. So to hold him who taught me this are equally dear to me as my parents, to be a partner in life with him and to fulfill his needs when required. So I'm going to hold my teacher to high regard in this case. To look upon his offspring as equal to my own siblings and to teach them this art. If they shall wish to learn it without fee or contract, and that by the set of rules, lectures, and every other mode of instruction, I will impart a knowledge of the art to my own sons and those of my teachers, and to the students bound by this contract, and having sworn this oath to the law of medicine, but to no others. So, you notice this is how important this art of medicine is. And remember, keep in mind, I'm, when I say the art of medicine, I encompass physical health, mental health, spiritual health. When we're talking about health in general, I have to, not only do I learn this, not only do I take this on, but I hold it dear to me and I have to pass it on myself. I have to teach it to my children. I have to teach it to the children of the other doctors. This is now an entrusted art. This is, well, that's why we call it the art of medicine. This is an art. Sometimes you see this in movies and you see something like martial arts, right? So all of a sudden you see this way of combat, this way of life um, in, in karate or taekwondo or things of that nature. And you notice that the senseis, part of the, part of the becoming a sensei is that you learn this and now you have to pass on this art. It's the same with medicine. Let's keep on, let's keep reading here. It says, I will use those dietary regimens which will benefit my patients according to my greatest ability and judgment, and I will do no harm or injustice to them. That right there is what, what we learn more than anything else. I will do no harm or injustice to them. In medicine, what we say, no matter what, if somebody comes into your door, we want to help them out. We might not always know how. We, we have to figure out what's going on with them. But before all else, we always say, do no harm. Before you start to try to treat somebody, you got to take a step back and ask yourself, if I am treating this person, the treatment that I'm giving them, is it causing more harm than good? And the first thing I have to do is no harm. Therefore, right there, that tells you that if somebody comes to my door and if I don't treat them, is that not doing harm? My job is to treat whoever comes to my door. So that that's a that's like hands down number one. You're in medical school. You're going to talk to any medical student, any doctor, anybody. First, do no harm. Let's start with that. So uh, let me read that line again. I will use those dietary regimens which will benefit my patients according to my greatest ability and judgment, and I will do no harm or injustice to them. Uh, the next line is, I will not give a lethal drug to anyone if I am asked, nor will I advise such a plan. And similarly, I will not give a woman a pessary to cause an abortion. This is the value of life. Even the Greeks knew there's the value of life. I will not give a lethal drug to anyone if I am asked, nor will I advise such a plan. That means that I will always hold life dear. This is in our Hippocratic Oath. This is, this is how it all started. More than anything else, first, I'm not going to do any harm, and then I'm going to do 
and then I'm going to hold life to the dearest. I'm not going to advise anybody to end their life beforehand, and I will not give a woman a pessary to cause an abortion. This is true to, to all the doctors who take this Hippocratic Oath. So life is of the utmost importance. If I say that I'm not going to give somebody a lethal drug, nor will I advise such a plan, then that tells me that if somebody comes to my door, I'm not going to advise them to not get treatment. Because sometimes we can say, well, yeah, you're going to kill somebody if you give them a lethal drug. But if I see somebody who's dying and I see somebody who's sick, regardless of how they got sick, if I let them die, that's just as good. Granted, sometimes I'm not going to have the treatment. Sometimes there, there's they get to the point where there is no more treatment, where our bodies are naturally going to die. Um, you know, we get to the point where we sometimes don't recommend resuscitation or something or, or any more treatment because we say, you know, this person has, has had a full life. They've gotten to where they need to be in life. Their body is now giving out. All of our bodies are going to give out eventually. If I further treat, I'm actually going to harm them. If I do CPR, if I start pounding on their chest, I might break a rib or two and that's going to harm them. So sometimes by acting, I might harm somebody, but other times by not acting, I'm going to harm somebody. If somebody comes to my door and if I can treat and if I can do something, I better act on that or I might be guilty of the sin of omission. We'll finish reading out the Hippocratic Oath. We'll finish talking about when we treat and when we don't treat. And we're going to keep asking these questions because sometimes it might be right to not treat. More when we come back. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Sandoval, reminding you that we will be having a spiritual warfare conference coming up on January 16th. So anybody who can join that, it's a virtual conference, but it's going to be high intel Catholic information from Jesse Romero and Dr. Dan Schneider. Um, always good to hear and have tools for our spiritual warfare. Um, today we're talking about treating uh, people and treating people who make different medical decisions uh, in terms of, um, you know, sometimes people choose to harm themselves, as we say, you know, either by doing drugs, by exposing themselves to to things where maybe it's going to harm the body, it's going to harm the mind, it's going to harm the soul. And we got to ask ourselves, do we treat that or do we not treat that? I'm going through and reading the Hippocratic Oath because I want, to, I want uh, our listeners to understand from a medical perspective, sometimes people say, Dr. Sandoval, how can you treat X, Y, or Z disease? How can you treat these people who are homeless and choose to be homeless and you know that they're going to expose themselves to getting ill? Why do you keep treating them? Why don't you just say, you know what, if you are going to uh, get sick, you're just on your own on this one. Or if you are going to live this lifestyle of doing drugs, you know, what am I going to do? Every time am I supposed to treat you every time you come into my door? Um, what is it that we're doing here? It seems like we're just going around in circles. So part of what I'm doing today is reading the Hippocratic Oath that we that we take as doctors to really understand what the mindset is when somebody comes to my door and I approach them and, and, I, and they're asking for medical help. Or at the next part of the Hippocratic Oath, um, we're about halfway through it. Um, and so it says, let me read the next part and we can talk about what really this means for us as doctors. Uh, the next part says, impurity and according to divine law, I will carry out my life and my art. So really this becomes a part of you. Now being a physician, you're never not a physician. Once you're a physician, it becomes a part of you whether you choose to practice or not. I think it's kind of like the equivalent, I can understand here, you know, a little bit like the priesthood. You know, even if all of a sudden the, somebody says, oh, I left the priesthood or something along those lines. I think all priests know, anybody who's been through seminary or anybody who's a priest understands that. 
once a priest, always a priest. You never really lose the priesthood. It's part of you. It's part of who you are, whether you keep practicing or not, whether you continue to use the gifts that God gave us and, and, and allow Christ to work through you through the sacraments and, and reaching out to people. You know, you might not be part of the diocese. You might not be part of something, but boy, if somebody is uh, in need of a confession and, and at the dire straits, at that point, if you were ordained a priest, I don't think you would say, well, you know, I'm not a priest anymore. No, you realize in your heart that you carry that priesthood and you're still able to uh, forgive those sins, regardless of how far away you might have been from from the uh, origin of the priesthood. It's the same in medicine. Once you're a doctor, you carry this art with you everywhere you go. And even if you say I'm a retired doctor, you might be a little bit rusty if you ever want to get back into the practice. But within you know a couple of days, a couple of weeks, you get right back into it. And somehow it's a part of you and never really leaves you. And the part of the Hippocratic Oath says, impurity and according to divine law, I will carry out my life and my art. Um, the next part says, I will not use the knife even upon those suffering from stones, but I will leave this to those who are trained in this craft. Now, some people might say, well, doc, that means that you're not going to treat them. No, you got to read the sentence in the entirety. If he says that you will not use a knife upon those even suffering from stones, they understood. Obviously, that tells me that one, they understood that sometimes you have to open up the body and take stuff out. You know, you have to do surgery on in certain situations, depending on what's going on. Um, and it says that I will not do that. But it's really important to read the next part. It says, I will leave this to those who are trained in this craft. What it really means is I'm not going to stretch myself beyond my expertise. It's easy, you know, as doctors to want to pretend that we know everything or that because we are doctors, you know, our ego drives us to say, I can do that. I can do everything. I'm a doctor. There's nothing I can't treat. We got to be able to take a step back and be honest with ourselves about what is it that we have treated? What is it that we are trained to treat? And leave it at that. You know, we have to understand that once we are trained in, in something, that's what we're good at. But there are going to be things that we might not know, things that are beyond our expertise and training. That's not to say we can't learn it. Anybody can be a surgeon. Anybody can be any specialty in medicine. It's more a matter of were you trained in it or not. And so if somebody comes to my door and if I wasn't trained in something, but I try to do uh, perform uh, surgery or give medication that I'm not used to, to, to doing, um, I might cause more harm at that point, right? And our first rule is first cause no harm. So that's one of the important things to remember. I have to cause no harm. Um, if there's nothing else, if I'm the only doctor in, in, you know, in the whole county and people are coming to my door, well, I might have to learn on the fly. I might have to open a textbook and just follow the instructions and, and, and pray that I'm doing the best and not trying to harm anybody, but realizing that there's nowhere else to go. I might have to learn that and I might have to learn different crafts and trust that God is going to teach me that. So anybody that comes to my door, I have to treat to the best of my ability. And if my ability needs to increase and I do have to learn something, well, I better step up the game. Um, the next part says into whatever homes I go, I will enter them for the benefit of the sick, avoiding any voluntary act of impropriety or corruption, including the seduction of women or men, whether they are free men or slaves. Whatever I see or hear in the lives of my patients, whether in connection with my profession, professional practice or not, which ought not to be spoken of outside, I will keep secret as considering all things to be private. So this is really important because what these lines tell us is one, well, really two things. It's an acknowledgement that when we are in medicine, we are, we are privy, we are um, really allowed to come into the private lives of people. So it lets us know that people do have private lives as people. There are things that 
um, really are private and retain our dignity. Um, and as doctors, we get to be open to that. We get to be privy to that. We are exposed to knowledge of people's lives that other people aren't going to be exposed to. We hear things that other people might not hear. We know things that other people might not know. You know, we are entrusted with an incredible responsibility of if somebody comes to my door, I get to treat the human body. And we always like to be well clothed and covered up and and retain our dignity. When you come to the doctor, you realize that when you are treating the, each person, each person deserves dignity, and we have to respect the human body. We get to see parts of the human body that other people don't because we're going to treat that part, and we're not allowed to uh, corrupt that. We're not allowed to use our power because as doctors, we, we end up with a big responsibility and a big power in terms of treating people in their lives, and we have to use that for the greater good. We have to use that um, for the way Christ intended it to heal, to not do any harm, to not take advantage of that, to not take, um, you know, to, to not uh, reduce ourselves to anything other than the profession that we carry. And so these are important things. This is, these are lifelong lessons that have been taught, this Hippocratic Oath, um, you know, that which is coming to us again from the ancient Greeks. We haven't really changed it much since then. Um, and these, the medicine has always been a value of the highest regards. Uh, and in our Catholic faith, we hold it in the same way. It's equal to the to the priesthood in a way in a secular world, because it's it's you know as me me as a person, I am not medicine. I carry this medicine. I carry this knowledge, and I know how to administer the medications, or I know how to perform certain surgeries. But I myself am nothing in terms of you know being more important than anybody else. I think when we look at that, and we look at our spiritual lives, and we look at priests, it's the same thing. The priests carry the priesthood of Christ. You know, the, it's it would be um, it would be terrible of us as lay people to really put the priests themselves on a higher pedestal than needed. That's a lot of pressure for somebody. What we really got to understand is I I respect priests completely. I respect the 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 priesthood that they carry, and that they can bring me the divinity of Christ. That they carry the medicine to treat me. Um, and that, that does hold a certain amount of respect. And we have to remember that if we are of the healing profession, whether it be spiritual, mental, physical, then we have to show respect to the art that we carry with us. Um, the next part and the last part of the, the Hippocratic Oath, so long as I maintain this oath faithfully and without corruption, may it be granted to me to partake of life fully and the practice of my art, gaining the respect of all men and women. However, should I transgress, transgress this oath and violate it, May the opposite be my fate. So again, it holds the fact that this oath, that this is so important that I carry a lot of people's vulnerabilities uh, in my in my hands, in my heart, in my mind, when I treat them, that I have to respect that. This is really what it comes down to when people ask me, doctor, how do you treat people who it seems like they're hurting themselves? How do you treat people uh, who, who it seems like they really don't care about what happens to them or those around them? Because, you know, when it comes to drug addiction, when it comes to passions in life, when it comes to uh, wanting to do extreme sports, I always say those people who like to hang glide or they like to try to run a skateboard off of a building or something, you know, and people say, oh, are you really going to treat them? You know, these people are just hurting themselves. Why do you keep treating them? Because when somebody comes to my door, my job is to treat whatever illness is there regardless of how it got there. So one of the things to consider as well is this question doesn't just come up for us in terms of uh, medicine and turn, you know, we're talking about different medical conditions, whether it be addiction or, or uh, illnesses due to viruses or bacteria or things of that nature. But it also comes up in, in the realm of our, our deliverance or our spiritual health. 
you know, being part of the deliverance team, a lot of times people will ask, well, if somebody um, is not healthy in terms of their spiritual life, and they've opened doors to evil, and they've opened doors to uh, being affected by uh, demonic entities, by evil, by 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 bad spirits, and now their life is in shambles. You know, why would you treat them? Why would you Why would you want to, um, you know, help them out if they don't want to get better? This is where it gets really important and really things to consider. It's not my job as judge or jury. I'm not God. I don't stand there and say, well, you know, you did this, and and this is why. Um, you ended up in this place. You've chosen to lead a uh, immoral life, and and uh, I'm, you know I'm not going to treat you. You're good. Good luck to you. And the reason that we don't do that is ultimately because whether it comes to physical medicine or spiritual medicine, we have to look at what did Christ teach us. Christ never came upon somebody and said, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna treat you. Christ never said, yeah, you know, you kind of brought this on yourself. I think that, you know, good luck to you because I'm I'm abandoning you. It doesn't work that way. I see a lot of parallels in the way that medicine is practiced um, and the way that Christ uh, showed us how to approach each other. You know, there's a reason that Christ was also called a physician. He's a physician of souls and the physician of bodies. We can't underestimate the fact that God knew that we needed spiritual health but he also, all his miracles, all the things that people were impressed by were when he cured lepers. You know, we still see leprosy. We call it Hansen's disease sometimes. You know, you can still see it in different parts of the world. Uh, you see it, it can be transmitted through armadillos and different things. You know, leprosy still exists. It's not just a biblical um, a disease. It's not as prevalent anymore. But I always find it interesting to see that Christ used to heal lepers. Christ used to heal broken hands. Christ healed the blind. Christ healed the people who couldn't hear. So Christ knows that we have physical elements that need to be healed, but his most powerful words when he was healing were, your sins are forgiven you. Those were the really the most powerful words. That's what really astonished the Pharisees and the other religious uh, people of his time. We really need to think about why that is, and we're going to talk more about that when we come back. All right, well, welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are going to be having our Spiritual Warfare Conference on January 16th. That's a Saturday. Feel free to sign up for that. I think it's going to be a great conference. You're going to listen to Jesse Romero and Dr. Dan Schneider uh, give us really a lot of good Catholic intel on how do we navigate these spiritual uh, militant operations that we need to in order to get to heaven? How do we get closer to Christ and how do we avoid the pitfalls that might come along the way of that journey? So always remember, uh, you're going to get great information on that, uh, on the spiritual warfare conference. Um, today we're talking about, do we treat or do we not treat? And I think about that from a medical perspective here in the clinic, you know, there's lots of different things that we need to treat. And, and, uh, as a, as a physician, as a psychiatrist, as a family physician, um, a lot of things come through our door and we have to ask ourselves, am I going to harm this person by treating them? Is there ever a condition where I don't treat is there ever a time where I don't offer healing and peace? And, you know, there actually is. There, there is a time where it will do more harm to treat somebody than good, um, believe it or not. And this is where we start to really have to listen to, we, we have to listen to what is Christ telling us about healing? What example did Christ give us in terms of, of healing and deliverance? Um, because as I said, as I was saying before the break, Christ treated not just our spiritual uh, ills, but he was, he, God is very well aware that we are physical creatures. He made us. He knows that there's going to be 
spiritual, uh, physical Ill, ailments. He knows that we're going to be vulnerable to viruses and bacteria. He knows that we're going to be vulnerable to cancers. He also knows that our bodies uh, are vulnerable to ourselves because we can actually make ourselves ill if we are, you know, doing drugs or, or not taking care of ourselves appropriately. So we can bring illnesses upon ourselves. God knows that we're physical creatures, but if we look in the Gospels, there's no denying that God treated the physical body as long, uh, along with the soul. You know, the first things that Jesus would say is, you know, to the man who, who was paralytic, who came down, and his buddies brought him down uh, down the roof when they made a big hole uh, in, in the roof, and they put him down because there were too many people to get to Christ. And Jesus first said, you know, your sins are forgiven you. And everybody started murmuring and saying, who is this guy? Who? Why does he think he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. So on the one hand, Jesus was revealing himself as God. And people were saying, well, who does he think he is? But he, he understands our nature. He understands that we kind of need to see a show. He understands that sometimes we're incredulous when it comes to certain things. Um, and so he told the man, get up and walk. And he told people, well, what's easier to say? Is it easier to say, get up and walk and, and, and heal him from his ailments of not being able to walk? Or is it easier to say your sins are forgiven you? Christ understood something. You know, it's a lot easier to heal somebody physically. It's a lot easier to to say, look, the, you can see what's happening here. Your leg was broken and I'm going to heal it. Your arm was broken and I'm going to heal it. It's a lot harder to change a man's heart or for a man to get to the point where he's willing to acknowledge that he has done something wrong. It's easy for us to see that there's something wrong going on with my body. If I'm paralyzed and I can't walk, well, there, I can't deny it. There's something that's wrong there, you know, and, and I have to admit it. And, and it's very obvious to everybody else. I think it's a lot harder for us to be able to admit what's wrong in our hearts and in our minds without some kind of a maturing taking place, without an acknowledgement that Christ is really the gold standard of what's right and wrong, and that I might not have followed his rules the way I should have, that I might have offended Christ, and that I might need forgiveness for that. It's a lot easier to not see that because we don't carry that out in front. Not everybody can see our sins. you know. And so once we get to that point of self-reflection and recognizing that, then that's when God can work in our lives. And God doesn't turn us away. God will never turn us away. The ultimate line um, for forgiveness is when uh, Jesus was asked, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? And then uh, we look at the gospel of Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, or seven times, seven times. 70, 77 times, seven times. So, you know, if you start doing the math, you can say, oh, well, that's, uh, what, 449 times, that's 490 times. It depends on, you know, which uh, um, uh, Bible you're reading that through. But if you look at that, you can really put a number on that. And But we all know what Jesus really meant. He said, there is no time that you do not forgive your brothers or sisters. There's an infinite amount of time that you forgive because why? Because that is the way God forgives. Because when God is looking at us, um, that that and he sees all of our sins god can say well you know i'm going to take every single sin into account and he will but when it comes to forgiveness god doesn't say you know there's only a certain amount of sins that i'm going to forgive god is saying every time you're willing to come back to me every time you're willing to heal spiritually every time you're willing to to come back and recognize that I am God and that I will take care of you and that sometimes you can harm yourself by the sins that you commit um, and you need forgiveness for that. You need healing. I'm here to heal you. I think it's very much the same way. You know, you come into the clinic and you, you come in be before the doctors and 
I cannot say, you know, I'm not going to heal you anymore. I'm not going to provide you medicine anymore. Uh, So long as I have it, so long as it's there. God's mercy never runs out. God's mercy and forgiveness doesn't run out. Is it any coincidence that I'm talking about healing and that I'm talking about forgiveness at the same time? No, because Jesus teaches us that as we are, uh, we're going to heal Forgiveness is a part of it when it comes to spiritual healing, when it comes to feeling better, regardless of whether or not I got my vaccine, regardless of whether or not there's, you know, physical medication there. If I want to heal spiritually, then I have to forgive. That's really at the end of the day, what it comes down to in terms of spiritual well-being. That's what it comes down to. We see this all the time in, in the deliverance ministry. We see this all the time when people come to us and they say, you know, I've got these spiritual ailments. I feel that I might have opened some doors to uh, something evil. Um, and it's very obvious that people say, well, I've dabbled in the occult. I've been doing tarot readings. I've been uh, playing with a Ouija board. These are very obvious ways. To me, this is the equivalent of saying, hey, you know what? I'm doing drugs. You know, I'm, I'm choosing to jump off of buildings. I'm choosing to, to really take these big risks where I know I'm going to hurt myself, but I still need you to heal me. That's easy. You know, th- those are easy to see. And it's like, it's very obvious. It's very obvious to see what's going on and what's wrong. Um, and, and how do I heal this person? Well, I know what they did. So if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I, we were in the occult, we were doing witchcraft, we were doing um, Ouija board, we were doing something. Okay, well, obviously that has to stop. And now we've got to see what kind of damage was done. I think it's a lot harder to heal when somebody comes to my door and they walk in and I say, hey, what's going on? And say, you know what? I just don't feel good. Okay, well, you don't feel good. Well, what's going on? Why, why don't you feel good? Well, now I got to start searching, right? I don't know what the source is. Now I got to start seeing, well, do they have a fever? What's their pulse? What's their blood pressure? Let me get some lab work done. I have to start to investigate what it is that's causing you to not feel good. In the same way, if somebody comes to deliverance ministry and they come in and they say, I, I just know that something's off in my life. I don't know what it is. Now it gets a little bit harder because we forget sometimes it's easy to get uh, uh, distracted by the big things. It's easy to get distracted by witchcraft and Satanism and and the occult and all these practices that are very, very obviously going to lead us down a dark path. It's a lot harder when we need to take that time and take that step back and say, you know what? I think I've been harboring anger against my brother. I think I've been upset with my parents. I think I haven't forgiven my neighbor. I think I've been uh, gossiping. I think I have uh, not led a pure life. You know, those are the things that society is not going to tell us otherwise. They're not going to say, well, you should really stop gossiping. You should really, because it's, it's hurting you spiritually. That's never really brought up, but it's, it's happening. Those are the harder times where, you know, somebody comes into the clinic and they say, I don't know what's going on. And I have to figure out, do you have a fever? Do you have a virus? Is there something wrong with your blood system? Are you deficient in a vitamin? What's going on? How can I help you heal? You know, you're feeling depressed. Well, is it because, you know, did it just come on by itself? Is there something going on in your life? Are you not getting along with your spouse? I have to start digging. I have to start asking myself what's going on. Spiritually, it's the same thing. When somebody comes to us and they say, I just don't feel good. I just know things are not going well in my life. I think things are falling apart. Um, that's where we really have to investigate and we have to do our, our, uh, our examination of conscience for ourselves. Because if we want to be healed, we also have to know what we're presenting with. One of the things that's important is if somebody's not doing well, my job is to heal. My job is to treat. There's no question about it. But if I don't know what I'm treating, then that might be a time where I don't treat. 
You know, if I, I don't know exactly what I'm treating, this is why it's so important that we do our own examination of conscience spiritually sometimes, because our ultimate sacrament of healing, and literally we call it healing and forgiveness, and it should be really, you know, forgiveness, healing, it, it all comes together in the same places when we go to confession. Why do we say that one confession is worth a thousand exorcisms? Because if we want to heal, if we want to get rid of all that's negative in our lives, then we want to unite ourselves with Christ. Why do we come to the doctor? Why do we show up at the doctor's office? Because we recognize that something's not right and I need healing. Something's broken and I need healing. I know there might be some medication out there that's going to heal me, um, whether it be a vaccine, if that's what we get, whether it be uh, an antibiotic, if that's what we need, um, whether it be, a, you know, in, in, our, in my clinic, whether it be an antidepressant, a mood stabilizer. I know that there's some kind of medication out there that's going to help me or at least help me start to improve or head down that path. It's the same thing in our spiritual lives. Is there ever a time that Christ doesn't heal us? No, Christ is always going to heal us. Is there a time, though, that healing cannot take place? Yes. And the only time that healing cannot take place is when we don't want it, when we choose not to be treated, when we recognize actually that there's something broken, that there's something wrong, and we say, but you know what? I don't want that medicine. I want to stay in my illness. Does this happen spiritually? Absolutely, all the time. Does this happen in medicine? Absolutely, all the time. Perfect example is when somebody, let's say somebody does have, uh, and these are obvious, but let's say somebody does have an addiction to drugs. Let's say somebody does have, um, they, they want to um, go ahead and, and harm themselves. They want to do drugs. They don't really want to stop now. They don't want to feel bad, but they don't want to stop using, using the drugs. If you take somebody, let's say that this is a family member and you tell them, you know what, gosh, you've been drinking for a long time. Um, there's a problem there. I'm going to take you down to the, uh, to the center. I'm going to take you down to rehab and I'm going to drop you off and I'm going to tell them that you need help and that they're going to get you, they're going to get you better. Um, once we show up there and we show up with our family member and our loved one and we say, you know what, they're, they've been drinking a lot. They really need a lot of help. They're here. Please help them out. The first thing that the person who is at the rehab center is going to do is look at this person who's either using drugs or alcohol, take your pick. And they're going to say, Hey, do you want to be here? Do you want treatment? Cause we have treatment. We can help you out. There is a path. There is a way to, to get you better, but do you want treatment? Cause part of it is going to be, you're not, you're not going to be able to use any more drugs or alcohol. Um, and the person says, no, I don't want treatment. Guess what? They're going to say, I'm sorry, I can't treat you. The only times in the Bible where Jesus was not able to heal people or treat people was when they did not have faith. It's the same thing. It's like if I'm having a spiritual ailment and I come to Christ and he says, do you want treatment? And I say, no, he's not going to be able to treat me. Those are the times where I can't treat because I also have to respect the person's free will and not do them any harm. So remember that every time we come to Christ, every time somebody needs help spiritually, every time you go to a doctor and you need help uh, physically, the treatment is always there. There's never a time I don't treat. There's never a, a time that Christ isn't going to forgive unless we choose otherwise, unless we don't want the treatment. We, that really gives us a lot of power. You got to think about that when you think about do we treat people regardless of the resources we have? Absolutely. Because whenever somebody needs healing, that's what our job is. That's what we're there for. We're there to heal the same way Christ is there and he's going to be there for us always. Remember that we have a great God and a great Christ who's always going to forgive us. Until next time, this is Dr. Sandoval signing off from the Dr. Sandoval Show.